talking about how we can overcome the labels that have been placed on our lives. Uh, And next Sunday, I want to let you know that uh, Pastor Todd, our lead pastor, he's going to be back with us, and he's going to be sharing about overcoming fear. You know, the most mentioned command in the Bible is fear not, don't be afraid. And so he's going to be talking about how we can overcome fear as we're following Jesus. Well, this series, Overcomer, we've been learning about how we are more than conquerors through the love that Jesus has for us and how we can uh, set aside all of the sin that wants to so easily entangle us and trip us up as we're following Jesus. And this series was originally developed by uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle and the pastors at Life Church. And then Pastor Todd has asked me to take the bones of the messages and then remix it and share it with our church. And so uh, I'm going to start today with asking you a question. And I want you to, to think about how would you describe yourself in three words? How would you describe yourself in three words? Now, if you're a note taker, maybe just jot down the three words that come to mind that you would use to describe yourself. Now, I know that pastors ask for people to do things all the time, and I usually don't do it. Like, they're saying, like, tell this to your neighbor, and then I never do. Or they say, tell, touch three people, and I don't do it. But I really want you to think for a moment about three words to describe yourself. There's a lot of different ways, uh, a lot of different words that we could choose to describe ourselves. Uh, there's a lot of different areas you could go to when you're thinking about words uh, for yourself. If you were to introduce yourself to somebody or to share three words with them, uh, you could go in a lot of different directions. You could go to your appearance. So I am tall, so I could lead with that. Maybe you're short, maybe you're fit, maybe uh, you're a hipster, and that would be something that you would use to describe yourself. Uh, you could go to your personality, uh, like if you're outgoing or shy, or if you're introverted, extroverted. Uh, you could even go to your life situation. Well, I am a husband, or I'm a mother, or I'm single, or divorced, or I'm rich, or I'm broke. Uh, you could go to your hobbies, like I'm a Flames fan. Maybe you're a fly fisherman, or you're a knitter. Uh, we could even go a little bit deeper with it and use words like, successful or failure or, you know, I'm a good person. Well, when we uh, describe ourselves, uh, we tend to use labels. And like it or not, labels are powerful. Uh, Some labels can be really positive. Like if someone says, hey, you're a hard worker or you're talented or you're loved. I mean, those are great labels for us to have. Uh, But there's also some really negative labels that we can encounter. Uh, Things like unloved, disappointment, failure, divorced, misfit, inadequate, unwanted, weak. Have you ever been labeled? And what's in a label? I mean, we use labels to denote value. Uh, Like if I were to bring home a uh, Louis Vuitton bag to my wife, but the L's and the V's were not in the right positions and they're overlapping or they're not overlapping. I don't even know how it's supposed to work. If I bring home a fake Louis Vuitton bag, my wife is not going to value that 
as the real thing. You know, I once had a friend, and he was showing me his Rolex watch, which was pretty sweet until you looked at it and saw that there were too many L's in the word Rolex. It was really a Folex watch that he's trying to pass off as real. Uh, In my family, uh, some of the members of my family need to be gluten-free. So we spend a lot of time looking at labels. You know, we're checking every label to make sure for that little symbol that says it's gluten-free. We're checking the ingredients. You know, and I, we tend to trust that labels are going to be accurate. If it says it on the can, when you open it up, that's what you're expecting to see inside. But the problem is for us that many of us have been mislabeled. That's what we're talking about today. When I was in grade four, I discovered that I was poor. It was when I uh, gave to a food drive at my school. You know, I got my can of creamed corn, and I took it to school, and I added it in with all the other ones. And then at the end of the day, I came home and found out that the food drive was for my family. And then in the entryway were all the cans. There's my creamed corn, and there's all the other cans and boxes of food. And suddenly, something hit me where I went, wait, this means that we are the poorest family in my school. And and now, poor, that could mean a lot of different things. Uh, And it doesn't even mean that that was really realistic to my family and their situation. But you know what? It doesn't matter because that is what I took from it. Poor. We must be poor. You know, that's the reason why I'm never going to get that Club Monaco sweatshirt that all the cool kids in my 90s classroom are wearing. That could never be mine because we're poor. When I was a kid, uh, let me tell you it this way. The number one question that adults ask me is, how tall are you? Like if I'm at Safeway or I'm just walking through the mall, hey, how tall are you? It's usually a really short person that wants to know. So I'm six foot six. But the number one question that kids ask me, and I'm a children's pastor, so I'm with kids all the time. The number one question they ask me is, hey, what are those spots on your face? I got a lot of moles. They're all over my face. You know, I got a whole constellation of moles on my chest and on my back. And when I was a kid and I would go swimming, I would take off my shirt. I'd be enjoying myself at the pool. And then kids would come up and say, hey, what are those spots Oh, you know, it's just, they're just moles. You know, I've had them for a long time. I can't do anything about them. It's no big deal. But the kids at the pool one day, they started to call me Mole Man. <laughs> now, Mole Man. I mean, is that even really a label? Mole Man. But you know what? It stuck in my heart, and it became something that I carried with me to where every time that I went to go to the beach or go to the pool as I'm thinking about taking off my shirt, you know, that's what's coming back into my mind. You know, maybe I should just leave my shirt on this time. Maybe I don't really want to go swimming this time. You know, even uh, my wife, Crystal, she grew up in a similar situation that I did, not having a lot of money, you know, and kind of bearing that poor. 
And, and even for us today, we can find ourselves wrestling with it sometimes, even when it comes to our finances, as we're looking at how much money we have or what we want to do. And it comes back to that same thing that we had from before. You know, I can see poor. I can see mole man. Kind of trying to influence how I do things today. And, and I heard a, a great message this last week. I was able to be at a pastor's conference. I got to see our pastors, Pastor Todd and Jan, and uh, some of the elders and the staff were able to go down to this conference together. And, and I heard from uh, Pastor Chris Hodges, and he shared about the breastplate of decision. And I was taking notes furiously on my phone because I was like, I am going to use this this Sunday. And so this is what he said. It's in Exodus chapter 28. Where in verse 15, there's instructions being given for the priests about the garments that they're to wear. In verse 15, it says, fashion a breastpiece for making decisions. The work of skilled hands. Make it like the ephod of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen. Okay, then we're going to jump down. This is all from Exodus 28 to verse 21. And it says to put on this breast piece that the priests are going to wear, that there are to be 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the names of one of the 12 tribes. So there were 12 sons of Israel, and then they became the 12 tribes of Israel. And then so there was to be a stone for each of these tribes to be put onto the breastplate. And then the names of the tribes were to be engraved with the stones. Okay, let's jump down to verse 29. It says, whenever Aaron, he was the, the high priest, the first high priest. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart. On the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. So the priests were to wear this breastpiece over their heart with the names of the tribes of Israel over their heart. So that when they went to make decisions, that they were doing it based on the names that were written on their heart. And for you and I, we make decisions based on the names written on our heart. What are the labels written on your heart? The words that we've heard spoken over us. You know, that teacher that said, you will never amount to anything. Or grandma who let it slip that you weren't really wanted. Bit of an accident. Those labels that we bear, divorced or abandoned, unloved. You know, it's your family that, that jokes with you and it's funny and everybody's laughing, ha, ha, ha. But really it's not funny because it's something that you bear on your heart. What are the names written on your heart? You know, we make decisions based on the names that are written on our heart. 
You know, that's why you'll never have enough money in the bank because you're worried about going back to when you were poor, when you didn't have enough. There wasn't enough food in the cupboard. There can never be enough food in the cupboard now because you're afraid you don't want to go back to being hungry again. Or you overcompensate to impress people with your knowledge and your opinions because there's something insecure inside of you where you think you're just not as smart as them. So you just, you really want to impress people. You know, you're just not really interested in trying again because you tried and it didn't work out. So now you're bearing failure. And it influences you to where you're just like, I just, you know, I tried it and I'm just not going to try that again. You know, the longer that we carry a label, the less it describes our past and the more it determines our future, if we're making decisions based on the names written on our heart. You know, you feel weak, so you won't ask for the respect that you deserve. You feel unloved, so you look for love in the wrong places. How can we overcome our labels? Our series is Overcomer. We can overcome these labels, these things that have been spoken over us or that we've even applied to our own heart. You know, we tend to perform to our labels. You know, you can take a bright kid and you can tell them that they're slow and you can watch their performance decrease. You can take an average kid And you can encourage them, and you can speak life to them, and you can say, hey, you're smart. Hey, you can do this. Hey, you're bright. And that's what we want to do in our children's ministry. We want to speak life into the children of our church. It's so important that we're speaking life into our young people and saying, hey, no, you can do this. Hey, I believe in you. Hey, you're bright. You're smart. Because we'll see them rise to what we're speaking about them. We tend to perform to our labels. I'm going to look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to look at Jesus interacting with his disciples. And and it starts with, in John chapter 1, there's John the Baptist and he sees Jesus walking along. And he has two of his disciples with him. And he says, there is, that's the Lamb of God. That's the Messiah. And so two of his disciples go and they follow Jesus. And one of them is Andrew. And Andrew's hanging out with Jesus for the day, and he goes, man, this is the Messiah. And you know what? I got to tell my older brother Simon about this guy. And so Andrew goes and finds his brother Simon and brings him to Jesus. And Simon's life is forever changed because he had somebody go out and just say, hey, I met Jesus, and he's awesome, and you got to come. Come with me and hang out with Jesus too. And so Simon comes to see Jesus, and we're going to pick it up in, first, or in John chapter 1, verse 42. It says, he, that's Andrew, brought him, that's Simon, to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Simon, and he said, hey, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, if you've seen The Passion of the Christ, the movie that came out a while ago, you may have heard Jesus, whenever he talks to Peter, he always calls him Kepha, Kepha. And I was 21 when that movie came out, and I was with a whole group of guys, and they all started to call me 
Kepha, Kepha. So you could say Cephas or you can say Kepha. In the Greek, it was Peter. Uh, It all means the same thing. It means rock. That Jesus, from the moment that he meets Simon, he says to him, hey, you're Peter. Hey, you're a rock. You're going to be rock steady. You're somebody that I can build on. You're somebody incredible. I can use you. Even later when he's with Peter, he says, hey, you are Peter. You're the rock. I'm going to build my church on this rock. Jesus isn't just describing Peter, but he's defining Peter. He's speaking a new identity to him from the very first moment that he meets Peter. And there's this amazing transformation throughout the Gospels where we see Simon going to Peter. Because he's still called Simon quite a bit. Uh, Even Jesus We'll call him Simon sometimes when he really puts his foot in his mouth, when he really makes a mistake. It's almost like Jesus is trying to wake him up and say, hey, Simon, Simon, you're supposed to be Peter. I I say you're Peter. This is who I say you are. You're a rock. You're rock steady. You know, I'm sure the other disciples were looking at Simon going, Jesus, this guy is not rock steady. Jesus, this guy, he's, he's more of a pebble than a rock. I mean, this guy is constantly making mistakes. I'm not so sure about this. But Jesus is calling him Peter. And we see this process in Simon's life where it becomes, it's Simon, and then it becomes like Simon Peter. And then by the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, it's just Peter. Until the only people that are still calling him Simon are just people that don't really know him. You know, they're asking for directions. They're strangers trying to look for this guy, Simon. And then after the book of Acts, it's just Peter, the rest of the New Testament. We see from Simon to Simon Peter to Peter. Jesus gives him his identity. And Jesus does the same thing for us. He determines our identity. You know, a label may describe you, but your identity in Christ defines you. There's a big difference between description and definition. Jesus defines us. He doesn't just describe us. He tells us our definition. He does this for us. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one. In Christ Jesus. And Paul is writing to the church in Galatia. And he goes through the defining characteristics of his day. And he says, this is not what defines you. It's not your people group. It's not your gender. What defines you, your defining characteristic is that if you are following Jesus, you are a child of God. That is your definition. You know, and so often... It's tempting for us to be defined by other things. You know, uh, even for us sometimes, we try and deal with our labels. You know, have you ever left like a name tag on your shirt and put it through the wash? Then you get that sticky residue. If you have kids in uh, children's church, I'm sorry if you've ever had a name tag and washed it. Because those are the stickiest name tags that I've ever seen. But you get that sticky residue. There's still something there. You're trying to deal with it. You know, the devil, he wants to define you. He would like nothing better than to give you your definition. And so he tries to describe you in the worst possible light. You know, a a description is like a rendition of something. 
It's like a portrait. You know, we could all describe something, and we're going to use different words to describe it. But there's one definition for what something is. A definition is something concrete. The devil wants to define you. So he describes you in the worst terms. It's a portrait in the worst light. It's those whispers into your ear, even something that can come up from inside of us that wants us to label ourselves or to put things onto ourselves that, that really, they don't define us. Pastor Tim Dormis, he's a life church pastor, and he talks about this with the example of Rahab. That in the Old Testament, there's a woman, and her name is Rahab, and we see her in Joshua chapter 2. And uh, the people, God's people, are coming into the promised land, and they're taking the land that God promised to them. And the problem for Rahab is that she's in Jericho, and they're coming, and they are going to conquer Jericho. She's not a part of God's people. But she meets uh, two Jewish spies who come in, and she helps them, and she hides them, and she uh, saves them, and then helps them escape from the city. Rahab is far from God. She's a prostitute. But she's heard about the great things that God has done. And it so impacted her where she believes in God and she wants to be on God's team. She wants to help his people. And so because of this, she and her family are the only ones saved in all of Jericho. And then she goes and joins God's people. And there's this awesome verse in Joshua chapter 2 where it says, and she lives with them even to today. That even when this was being written, that she was with their people. But it's interesting even that Rahab, the prostitute, we even see her in the lineage of Jesus. That it says, Jesus, son of Joseph. And then it says, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, son of Rahab, the prostitute. Rahab, the prostitute, she's mentioned eight times in the Bible, and six of the times she's called Rahab, the prostitute. You know, and it kind of makes you think, why can't it just be Rahab after a certain point? Why is it still Rahab the prostitute? But there's this thought, and it's that Rahab's past was not too big to be forgiven. That's not why she's still Rahab the prostitute. Not because her past was too big to be forgiven, but it's that God's work in Rahab's life was too big to be denied. That they're looking at Rahab and they're seeing, man, she used to be a part of Jericho. She used to be a prostitute. Now look at her. She's a part of our family. She's one of us. Look at what God has done in her life. The work of God in her life was too big to be denied, even to being in the lineage of Jesus. You know, she met a nice guy named Salmon, which is kind of an awesome name, and she settled down. And she had some kids, and they had kids, and then eventually she's in the lineage of Jesus. You know, there's some of us here today, and we may be carrying some labels. You may be carrying some labels. You know, you may be here as a single parent, and you're thinking, man, why do I always have to be the single parent, the single parent? But, you know, there's encouragement for you today, and that it's you can be a picture to your family of what it looks like to fully rely on God. To say, look, I'm the only parent here, but I am fully relying on God. I'm trusting in him. I'm going to show my children what it looks like to fully rely on God. 
you know, you might be here and you may not be in the financial position that you want to be in. You're not necessarily able to provide for your family the things that you would like to be able to. And it's easy for that to turn into the label of saying broke. But there's encouragement for you today that you can be a picture of what it looks like to fully rely on God. To show your family that you're not relying on your bank account, you're fully relying on Jesus. You know, you might be here today and you might be an addict or somebody who's struggled with addiction. And you know, there's encouragement for you today that you can be a picture of what it looks like to walk in the freedom that Jesus brings. That your past could change someone else's future because of what God has done in your life. That you can say, look, this is where I was, but look at what God has done in me. And now I'm walking in freedom, relying on him, and so can you. What the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. You know, when I was 17 years old, I dropped out of high school. And I went and worked at a grocery store. You know, school and I just weren't getting along and so I said goodbye to school. I went and I was just carting uh, groceries until eventually I tried to come back and uh, go to a different school, got some more credits, took some more courses. But in the end, uh, it just never really worked out. And I uh, never got my high school diploma. And even to today, I still don't have my high school diploma. And, and at the time, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, you know, my friends would ask me about it, like, hey, are you ever going to do that? You know, did you ever finish that? And I would just kind of laugh it off and just be like, oh, no, no, it's like no big deal. Oh, no, it's fine. No, it's kind of funny, you know. But inside, I was carrying some labels. You know, there were some things on my heart because of the choices that I had made. You know, where I was looking at it thinking, drop out. Quitter, unmotivated, procrastinator. You know, and it influenced me for years and years. Even to when I was working here at the church where there was something inside of me that was whispering, you know, you have to work at the church because you couldn't make it anywhere else. Nowhere else would take you. You're a dropout. You're a quitter. You're unmotivated. You're a procrastinator. And I ended up carrying that for 13 years. It wasn't until I was turning 30, approaching a new decade, that I finally was talking with my wife and saying, you know what, I, I, I want to do something about this. You know, I had tried at different times to go back and finish the courses that I needed. It just never worked out. And I just, I wanted to head out in a new direction. And so I, I wanted to apply to go to university and start to take some courses. And as part of that process, I had to get my high school transcript that showed all my grades. And I remember opening it up and looking at it and confronting those numbers, 48, and 52, and things I just, I didn't like. And as I'm thinking like, man, am I even going to make it? Can I even do these courses? Having to, to confront these labels, to face them in my life. But it was amazing as I started to, to take my first courses to see that 
you know, God had done some work in my life, and I, I had actually outgrown some of the labels that I, I was mislabeling myself. You know, that I wasn't really unmotivated anymore. I was very motivated, and I didn't have to be a procrastinator anymore. That God was doing a work inside of me. You know, I'm not what my label said. I'm not what others said. I'm not even what I say. That was my past. Jesus defines my future. You know, for you today, whatever your past was, you know, we started today with three words, three words to describe yourself. You know, and maybe for you, those were difficult words. Those were hard words. That was, those were words like unloved, failure, unwanted. But you know, there's three words to describe you. If, if you choose to follow Jesus, there's three words that he gives us, and it's child of God. That that's us today. That that can be us. You know, we find our identity in Christ. We find our purpose in Christ. It's Jesus that defines my worth and my value. It's Jesus that frees me from comparison's trap. It's Jesus that gives me passion to overcome my apathy. It's Jesus that strips away my labels and defines who I am. I am his child. You know, I want to just close today with just one last verse and it's found in Revelation chapter two. And it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. And this is Jesus talking to the churches and he says, to the one who conquers. Now we're in a series called Overcomer. Talking about how we are more than conquerors through Jesus, through his love. So that can be us today. We are overcomers. We are conquerors. He says, I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except for the one who receives it. You know, today, Jesus wants to give you a white stone. A white stone is what they would give people who were acquitted of their crimes. You know, you're found not guilty. You get a white stone. You know, and written on that white stone, he writes his name on the stone. Because when you're adopted into a family, you take on the name of that family. And so Jesus invites us into his family. He gives us his name. Just like Simon, he speaks to you and he says, I have an identity for you. You're my child. I can use you. You're rock steady. I can build on you. He defines us. He gives us our identity. A white stone saying, you're innocent. I make you righteous. I give that to you today. And he gives us his name that we can be adopted into his family. His children of God. You know, are you like me today? Do you need to have some labels stripped off of your heart? Are you making some decisions based on the wrong names being written on your heart? Do you need some freedom from that sticky residue? You're still dealing with some of those things. Maybe you're like Peter and you're in a process where Jesus has said, this is who you are, but you're in a process of, of growing and changing from Simon to Simon Peter to Peter. You know, if that's you today, will you just slip up your hand and just say, that's me. I'm raising my hand today. I know I still need some help with some of the labels on my heart. 
If that's you, I want to pray for us today. Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, that you can come. You can strip away every label. God, every negative thing, every curse that was spoken over us, Jesus, you wash them away. God, you cleanse us. You make us new. Jesus, all those descriptions that we've put onto ourselves, all those things we've carried in our heart, Jesus, we just offer them to you. And Jesus, would you give us today your white stone? God, that says we are innocent. God, would you give us your identity? Would you give us your name today? Jesus, would you adopt us into your family? And Jesus, would you help us, God, as we grow in that process, God, to be who you say we are. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.